Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, And on our Oakwood Hard Jewelers Talk and Text Line, the voice of Tennessee Vow Baseball, no friend of mine, John Wilkerson. John, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I get to call you this time, John. How about that? I was thinking about that, Mike, <laughs> simply for the fact you've been on with us in Knoxville at least 100 times. So I was very, very pleased, one, to receive the invite. And also uh, could not wait to join you and Bobby. John, uh, tell us a little bit about this team. Last year, we've had Ben McDonald and Todd Walker, two LSU greats, both make the same comments that that team of Tennessee was the best regular season team they had ever seen, ever. And they've seen a lot of college baseball between the two of them. And yet this team – didn't come in with all that hype. They were not the preseason number one. Uh, I think a little bit maybe scuffed of how it ended last year when Notre Dame beats them, and yet they pieced it together and got to the World Series. And especially, John, with the slow start. And yeah. look, uh, maybe you're peaking at the right time. Well, uh, first, Bobby, great to talk to you and appreciate the time you joined us uh, a time or two in Knoxville. Uh, I'll say this. Um, Tennessee was a team last year that you could argue, if you look at their numbers across the board, was as good as any had as good a season as any team has ever had that didn't win a cha- the championship. Um, they swept the SEC tournament title and regular season crown, but again got tripped up with that rubber match in the in the Super Regional against Notre Dame. Now going from that team to this team, you did return your three weekend starters, and I think that's where everybody pointed. I mean, there were some preseason All American teams that had all three pitchers for Tennessee as their three All-American, first-team All-American preseason. So uh, you're looking at Chase Burns, Drew Beam, and Chase Dolander, who was rated kind of the number one pitcher coming into this season. And we all know that Paul Skeens has been the national pitcher of the year with what he's done in Baton Rouge. So you have those three coming back, but you replaced every defensive starter. You had 10 draft picks, and an 11th player went pro as he signed a free agent deal. So that's what you lost from last year's team. Tennessee did start out as a consensus number two. LSU was number one. Tennessee was number two in the preseason polls. And Tony Vitello was right to wonder aloud, are they not seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> because to replace that entire lineup is really huge. And, yeah. and while Tennessee did a good job of pulling players out of the transfer portal, not as good as they did at LSU, um, it took a while for them to gel. I mean, for instance, they lose all three at Missouri, and, I mean, it wasn't close to open SEC play. They come home, they sweep Texas A&M, so when they get to play uh, their next trip, which was to then number one LSU in week three of conference play, I thought Tennessee acquitted itself pretty well because you you didn't quite know what you were going to get. You had the Valley that was Columbia, and then you had the Peak that was taking all three against the Aggies who had played you guys, or I should say LSU, um, 
in the in week one. So I just uh, I was really impressed with um, with how the team fought through some tough times because they they did they had their next series was against Florida. I mean against let me first say against LSU they led in all three games. Tigers won games one and two because Gavin Dugas was just a monster had a home run and a double in each of the first two games. And then Tennessee was able to jump out to a fast start, really built a big lead, and then held on to get one on that trip in, uh, in week three. Uh, so, no, they come back from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Two weeks later, they're 5-10, and 10, and they really needed that come-to-Jesus meeting. And, and they had that as um, it was their team trainer, their strength and conditioning coach, that gave them a call uh, after they got back from Fayetteville. And we'll just say that the boys found a common enemy. Um, and when they started to come together, spend more time together, they go from five and ten in the first half in SEC play to eleven and four in the second half. So they finished sixteen and four. And then this was the first time any Tennessee team has done this. They won their first weekend of NCAA tournament play away from home. They hadn't done that before. Then they just went to the Super Regional in Hattiesburg. They got games two and three against the Golden Eagles, and now they go to Omaha. It's the first time Tennessee's ever been able to take the long road to Omaha and make it to the College World Series. So this is a team that's gone through some changes. It's, I think, a very different team, as I know LSU is, uh, in in the time that we've seen since week three, way back when. Uh, So I just think that this is a team that did exactly what you want a team to do, and that's really start to build a bond, come together, and improve to the point that they're playing their best ball right now. Now, uh, John, would you say, because I know uh, Rocky Top and uh, Tennessee Volunteer uh, football is a priority, uh, like at LSU. Now, you look at the LSU Fighting Tigers going back to the 90s, uh, you know, winning national championships, and and obviously uh, they're going back uh, to the College World Series. When you talk about the coach, Tony Vitale, and how where they're at with him right now, uh, to me, this is impressive. Uh, they make their second trip to Omaha in the last three seasons, but their sixth all-time, uh, well, uh, when you look in history of World Series, LSU's tied like with the U, University of Miami, uh, I want to say it's like 14 or 15. Is baseball, uh, I would say right now, you look in the SEC, how it is a priority. I, I would say it's a priority in Tennessee as much as LSU right now. Tony Vitello has certainly made it that. And, and I do think that there has been support for Tennessee baseball. You go back to Rod Delmonico's era, and he was Todd Helton's coach. Uh, so that was their trip in 95. They went for the first time since 51 uh, when Todd's junior year. Uh, that was when it happened in 95. And then it was Chris Burke and his teammates. They made it in 2001 and then went again with Luke Hochaver and Chase Headley in 2005. So – uh, Rod had peaks and valleys, but he won 699 games in 18 years, and he arrived from Florida State as the head man in Knoxville, and he talked immediately about Omaha. And then after that, you know, there was an athletics director that thought he had the magic touch because he went out and found Bruce Pearl to be a basketball coach. He went out and thought that he found the Bruce Pearl of baseball didn't quite work out. Tennessee brought back Dave Serrano, who had taken three different uh, programs to the College World Series. And so he was uh, hired to be Tennessee's coach. And he was a former Rod assistant and unfortunately just didn't come together for Dave. And then John Curry, when he was the athletics director, he identified Tony Vitello as the top assistant at Fayetteville, the top recruiter, and just one of the best young minds in the game. 
And so he tabbed him, and it took just one year uh, under his belt. Year two, they made a return to the NCAA for the first time in 14 years. Would have loved to have seen what that 20 team might have done, but obviously a lot of right. fe- uh, people feel that way because everything's shut down. But he's made four straight trips to the NCAA tournament, took the balls to the College World Series in 21, as I mentioned, swept the SEC championships last year, and now back to the College World Series. Uh, Danny White, the athletics director at Tennessee, loves the job he's doing. And so there are huge plans to, uh, to really make the facility so much better. It's going to go in phases. So, but I, I think he does have great support, and I think they do realize how special it is because it is amazing to see the eyes across the state focus on this Tennessee baseball program. So it's, it really has been something to watch because it, the, the program, the coaches, uh, the support staff, everybody, the players have all well, had a hand in generating this support. Well, you know, John, it's like arguably uh, when at one time, uh, a look at the proximity, you're talking about like uh, 60 miles when, when all of a sudden LSU, Tulane, University of New Orleans, they were all relevant. And then you look at Tennessee baseball because you can't say Vanderbilt in any other sport, maybe basketball now and then, but – you look at Vanderbilt baseball, uh, you look at Tennessee baseball, that's like a neighbor. So uh, you could see uh, how the people are interested in it from that regard. But, John, the question I have for you, um, look, LSU, Paul Skeens, uh, you got to be in the winner's bracket. Uh, you have to pitch him to be able to, uh, you know, go into the winner's bracket. But it seems like Tennessee has options. So what's your take on that? Because, you know, LSU fans like, well, I don't know, can we save – Maybe can we beat Tennessee without Paul Skeens and maybe have Paul Skeens? They're, they're already saying Wake Forest is going to beat Stanford. You know, they're trying to align. Okay, how, mm-hmm. how can we beat Wake Forest and stay in that winning bracket? But I think it is Paul Skeens against Tennessee. But I think Tennessee has options who they would pitch against LSU. They do. Um, I'll say this. When Tennessee got to Fayetteville, while it didn't work out in terms of that lack of success that weekend, that was when they moved Andrew Lindsay into that first spot in the rotation. He was somebody who had spent a year away from baseball, had pitched previously at Charlotte, but he rediscovered a new love for the game. So he returns to the game, joins the program in Knoxville, and it was just a, a fire that they saw in him as he worked in relief against Florida. He had been out of the bullpen the entire season until that Arkansas series. And, but they just said that's the mentality that we want to see. And it's not that Chase Dolander or Burns or Drew Beam didn't have it. It was just that's what they thought would be a great tone setter. And he's done exactly that. Um, didn't get the win in his appearance against Southern Miss, but he's been a difference maker. He was so good against South Carolina to end the regular season. And he was so strong against his former school, Charlotte, uh, to start the Clemson Regional. So, but you're right. They do have options because Dolander just was outstanding. Gave up four runs in one inning as Tennessee fell behind four nothing this past weekend, and what could have been the end of their season. And then he retired 18 of the next 19 uh, before walking about it to start the ninth, and he came out of the game. So Tennessee does have options, but I, I'd be surprised if we see anything different. Tony Vitello is a pretty good creature of habit. When he finds that lineup that he loves one to nine, he almost always sticks with it. And he also will lock on to a rotation when he thinks it works in terms of just the setting a tone for the weekend and the uh, the example the team can follow. So I would be surprised if it wasn't Lindsey on Saturday, but it could also be Dolander who also worked, uh, I guess, yesterday, I mean, Sunday. 
John, I got a question for you with regards to the bullpen. Tennessee's bullpen has obviously been very strong in the postseason. We all know about that Clemson game that went, what was it, 14 innings. It was an incredible battle between those two bullpens. But a guy that's really shined in the bullpen role was a guy that actually started the season as a starter. You know who I'm talking about, Chase Burns, who actually just mm-hmm. shut out Southern Miss in that game last night, obviously fired up and, and a really great appearance for him where he was just throwing straight gas out of the bullpen. Talk about his kind of role change and how he's accepted that and kind of led the Volunteers' bullpen, which has been really strong in the postseason. John, I'm going to add on Boy. to what uh, Charlie asked you. Had you ever seen or called a better game than that Tennessee-Clemson game? Oh, that was just – it was insane. <laughs> that was I mean, crazy. It, you just knew it was going to happen in terms of Tennessee and Clemson were going to square off, and they played each other. I mean, Rod Delmonico really had a great appreciation for uh, for Bill Wilhelm, their head coach, at the time, and so they played each other uh, 10 straight years. In fact, Tennessee would go there midweek, stay the night, and play twice, or Clemson would come to Knoxville and do that. So got used to Clemson very early on, but it had not been since 97 that they had played. Whoa. And so for them to have won 17 straight games to have – had just stormed their way through the ACC tournament, it really was something. And to be down 4-2 to two in the top of the ninth and be down to your last strike, not once but twice, I mean, with two quick outs, it was a single to right, single to right, and then a three-run bomb as they went to the bullpen. It, Tennessee went from almost losing to a 5-4 lead. Clemson down to its last, its last strike, ties the game in the bottom of the ninth, and then it goes a... a an instant classic 14 innings and Tennessee just found a way. And it was because of the way that they utilized their starting pitcher as their DH when they brought him out of the game and then put him at first, that means they, that meant they had to pinch it for their pitcher. Clemson used 10 pitchers in those 14 innings. Tennessee used three and Chase Burns was, was the second. He was the first pitcher out of the bullpen, the second pitcher in the game. And uh, Charlie, you're exactly right. It's been amazing to watch him go from somebody who, for whatever reason, just couldn't find his footing in his second year starting in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, he was freshman All-American. He was actually freshman of the year, according to one outlet, uh, for what he did last year. But for whatever reason, it just didn't click. And so they moved him to the bullpen when Lindsey came into the rotation. And he just came out with a different mentality. Uh, and, I mean, you, he hit 102 miles an hour last night. And, uh, and so he can just he can cut it loose. And you could see the, uh, the incredible exuberance that he had as he came off the field last night. Um, and against Clemson, I mean, bottom of the 10th, Tigers load the bases with nobody out. He gets a strikeout. Then there's a double play where the runner at first is ruled safe. So Clemson actually celebrates what it thinks is a victory they go to review, and they see that, indeed, Tennessee right. got the ball the first in time, and the game continued. So it really was an instant classic and just amazing to watch those teams go back and forth. But Tennessee used three pitchers that day uh, compared to the 10 that Clemson used. And you just knew, Mike, that whichever team came up short was not going to survive the elimination game yeah, the next day right. at noon. Well, and that's that, what happened to Clemson. And, and now, John, uh, I was a bit, a bit of a homer. I think I might have picked it in um, the College World Series, six out of the eight teams in the SEC. I think I was uh, obviously being an SEC homer, but you'd always would expect, if not half, like uh, three, uh, three out of the eight. Uh, we're not familiar this season because, you know, uh, out of sight, out of mind. We didn't play them. But it seems like the Florida Gators are real special. But what is your take on Florida? Now, they're on the opposite side of the bracket. Uh, but I think uh, Florida's right there to be a, a national championship uh, championship type team. 
They are. Uh, and it comes down to exactly what they get from their starting pitching, which I would say that three times out of four, that O'Sullivan gets exactly what he's looking for. But every now and then there's just that fine the ointment. Uh, so the numbers in terms of their pitchers won't necessarily overwhelm you. But when they're on, they're on. And again, more times than not, they're on. Uh, they also have just an incredible performer. If uh, if it wasn't for LSU center fielder, right. Jack Caglione probably would have been the player of the year. He's that kind of good. He's a first baseman, has great power, and, and he uh, also pitches. Uh, still has work to do in terms of improving his pitching, but he's just an amazing athlete. Uh, Florida, I think, has as good a lineup as anybody in the country when you go one to nine in the ability for any of them to just mash at one point or another. Um, I, I don't question for a moment LSU has such strength in its lineup, but I also think there are just a, a, there's an instant or two where you might find somebody who might struggle to put it together on a consistent basis, but still you have those big bats that you can't work around. I mean, you've got Morgan at first. Uh, you can just go down the list. Uh, Cruz, uh, just keep going. And then one thing that I was really impressed about with LSU is the fact that you had those veterans that you've come to know over the years, but they also mixed in some really good youngsters that don't have to be the ones that it rests on their shoulder. And I think that's a lot of freedom where they get to just come through and let the game come to them. But back to your original question, I think Florida has a lineup that can compete with anybody. And, uh, and I do think that they have a, a strong arm out of the pen. Um, but uh, that's one of the things, getting back to Charlie's question originally, and that is what Tennessee's been able to get out of the bullpen has, I think, been the difference in its well, NCAA tournament action. Well, you, you know, John, uh, if you look at it, the transfer portal, every team has to deal with that. I know LSU fans are all for it. How about Tommy Tanks coming from North Carolina State? Oh, yeah. Uh, a different environment, okay. Uh, living up to expectations, all the pressure there. I would say he did that. Uh, boy, that, that's a phase of the game that we haven't seen like in the early uh, 21st century that you're going to see now going forward that uh, could change your team. It's and a new world. Them, without a doubt. It's uh, a new world I mean, for look, all look of us. Look at Tommy Tanks, North Carolina State, yeah. and what he did for the Tigers. John, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to hear from you, buddy, and uh, appreciate it. I would tell you good luck, but, you, you, know, you know, we are the station <laughs> of LSU, so right, <laughs> you, you got to understand that part. And oh, listen, I, so. I, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on Joe Milton next weekend for you. All right. Sure. At Manning Camp. Right, Bobby, Charlie, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. All right, thank you, John. John Wilkerson, nobody of mine. Knoxville, Tennessee, the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.